It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me, or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth. In America, wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Uh, you know, you've seen those videos, the people of Walmart. Oh, that was the people of Walmart who broke out spontaneously in a store in Texas and sang the national anthem. I don't know what precipitated that. I didn't see it in any description, uh, but I just wanted you to hear it. I thought that was really sweet. You see, you watch it, and you see people with their shopping carts, and they stop, and they join in in the singing, and it's a, it's actually quite uh, quite moving. Well, um, I hope you had a wonderful 4th of July celebration in spite of all the negative things that people want us to think about our country. Uh, We certainly had a great celebration here. My children have never been in the United States uh, during the 4th of July. Never. You know, um, Moses is 12. He's never celebrated it here. Uh, Kate's is 9. And so it was very meaningful for us. And we took them to fireworks. We did everything we could. We had a picnic, you know, with hot dogs and uh, just as as Fourth of July ish as we could possibly make it with ice cream and everything and all of our friends, and uh, so it was it helped us. It was it was interesting because trying to teach them uh, after being uh, in, in other two other countries all, all their lives uh, what the meaning is, and it was it was just very sweet. And yes, you can hear in my voice. I have to say before I, just so you know, I, we. <laughs> When you have children in your home and they go to vacation Bible school, they get sick. And sometimes they bring that home to families, don't they? So uh, I have been very sick, actually. My husband also, all of us, we've been very sick. And so now it's my privilege to come to you partially healthy. Uh, But uh, anyway, it was a great fourth. I really enjoyed it in spite of feeling bad. And um I, one of the great the things that I love to do, and I've often told you about it and suggested that you watch it, is the PBS's Capital Fourth celebration. It happens, uh, you know, I've been there many times uh, right there on the lawn of the uh, Capitol building, uh, celebrating, watching that beautiful stage and just singing with people and watch, turning around and seeing people sitting all over the Capitol steps and 
you know, you, now now the visions we have of the Capitol steps on the January sixth, uh, they they make it look so odious. But it is the people's house, uh, the White House is, and so is the Capitol. And so it, those had been thrilling presentations. And so uh, I was eager. We recorded it here at home, but I actually we never had a chance to watch it because we were so busy doing other things right here. Uh, but Vanessa Williams. Uh, was the host of it. I only know this because I read it this morning, and uh, she sparked a bit of controversy for the way that she ended it. Um, If you don't know, the Capitol... I just should explain this better. Uh, This was not live this time. They pre-taped the presentation. They bring in, you know, great uh, artists and musicians from all over the country, uh, country, uh, classical, uh, musical theater, all kinds of people, And uh, they perform not necessarily patriotic songs, but interspersed are lots of patriotic songs, plus the great groups that come out of the America's military. We've got great musicians in America's military, and maybe you don't know that because because, uh, it's really removed from your experience. But it's uh, so they, you know, they will feature the Air Force band and uh, chorus and uh, things like that. So um, and then they end it with this spectacular, and I do mean spectacular, fireworks over the Washington Monument. So that's that's what it is. If you have a chance to see it, I'm sure you could still find it. But um, Vanessa Williams ended it in a way that was very controversial. Uh, she said what she said, and I'm going to play it for you in just a second, and then she went into singing the Black National Anthem, which we're going to listen to just a few minutes of. So let's listen to Vanessa Williams and how she ended the Capitol Fourth celebration of the nation's 4th of July. Let's listen. As I prepare to sing this next song, I am filled with the spirit of freedom and the perseverance that is required to achieve that most precious right. I dedicate this to my ancestors, to our new federal holiday, Juneteenth, and to all who celebrate freedom.
So that was Vanessa Williams singing the Black National Anthem. And a, a couple of things, I you know, a lot of people were very upset about that. And um, let me just give you their comments, and then I'll just tell you my thoughts about it for what they're worth. Um, Laverne Spicer, Florida Republican House candidate, said, Vanessa, honey, a black national anthem is something a black African country would have, not a country like America that exists for everyone. Uh, Steve Cortez of Newsmax said, we have one national anthem. Retired U.S. Air Force Colonel Rob Manis wrote, there is only one national anthem. This is a segregation, pure and simple. Shame on Joe Biden if he doesn't demand an end to this racial activity. And um, that one other response I'll read, I 100% refuse to recognize the black national anthem. We are one nation under God and indivisible. There are no separate national anthems. And then the last, who's singing the Asian or Latino anthems? All right, so uh, a couple of things from, from me. First of all, I, I actually, I read the, the lyrics to the Black National Anthem. Now, she kind of zeroed in on, she did not end it the way it's written. She ended it with, let us march on till victory is won. Uh, and the actual anthem sort of celebrates, uh, this is what it says, um, shadowed beneath thy hand, may we forever stand true to our God, true to our native land. Um, it's kind of a celebration of, of freedom, and it talks about the dark past, and that's certainly true. I have no really no problem with it unless I'm just not seeing everything here. I, I don't have a problem with black Americans having an, an, I wouldn't call it a national anthem, though, but having a song to celebrate their liberation. I have no problem really with Juneteenth being celebrated, and maybe that's long overdue, and we do need to recognize what a huge day that was, as opposed to, you know, the 1619 Project, which is so uh, so false in its premises. Juneteenth is just as real as it can be, and black Americans understand it, and it's about time we did know something about uh, their liberation, how they, um, how they loved Abraham Lincoln for his proclamation, freeing the slaves— and what a, what a life change. I mean, I think that's something we can all celebrate and should be celebrating. I've got no problem with that. What I do have a problem with is replacing it with a national anthem. That is completely unacceptable. And it is absolutely true that we only have one national anthem. We only have one constitution, one preamble, one, you know, we, ha- we are one nation under one set of laws, one constitution. Uh, we are one people united by a set of ideals, uh, not by our color, and we do have lots of colors. We have lots of colors, and we are not about to. It would be such a huge mistake to balkanize our country, which is what the left and the communist influence now wants to do, is to turn us into yellow people and then red people and brown people, and we'll all separate, you know, have our grievances and throw things at each other and, you know, rub our sores and complain. Because certainly, like the Chinese, look how they were treated when the railroads were built in this country. They were treated horribly. Their lives had... No, they did not matter at all. Italian-Americans, when they came to New York City, asked them about how they were treated. Irish-Americans, completely disregarded. You know, everyone has their grievances, um, and we can remain there and, you know, pick our sores, or we can rise up and look to the future. We don't want to be separated. We are uh, one of the reasons America is so great is because we have united people of all colors and backgrounds and countries who again, I think it was Abraham Lincoln, I believe it was Abraham Lincoln, who said that uh, America is unique because 
like if you go to Japan, everyone in Japan is Japanese. They look Japanese, and that's their culture. If you go to China, it's the same thing. But in the United States, we are not united by the way we look. We are united by a set of ideas, of unique, profound ideas. And they can pull in people always and forever, perpetually, to become new members under that umbrella of ideals. Uh, and you're not shut out because you look this or you look that. Uh, it, it just it doesn't happen. That's the greatness of America. And uh, we do not, we want to be, we are e pluribus union. We are uh, one but many. And so, uh, okay, so I want to go on. A couple of things happened. Other things, as you can imagine, some of them you know happened over the weekend. Oh, <laughs> sorry, I, I have to play this. I, you know, um, like some people don't like the national anthem, uh, and maybe Vanessa's one of them, or she just preferred that. But there's a woman, uh, I don't know where this was, but she was caught on camera because um, she she didn't like the fireworks. So I thought maybe you could hear this. This is a woman somewhere disliking America's fireworks, clip three. Yeah, well, okay, so doesn't that remind you of the screaming that we have heard from so many leftist protesters in the last few years? Uh, the meltdowns that they have, they just they sound like and the screeching in the House chamber when Brett Kavanaugh was uh, running, was, you know, he was doing the hearing to become a Supreme Court justice. Uh, it's just, it's it's uh, like, it's a screech of uh, of some kind of dark place. That many of us don't want to go, but that's uh, that's how somebody celebrated their Fourth of July screaming at the fireworks. Um, there's a few more things I want to say about what happened yesterday, so uh, stay tuned. It's nice to be back in spite of, uh, yeah, in spite of everything, my physical limitations. And uh, thanks for listening. I hope you had a great time over the Fourth, and I'll be back with uh, more kind of interesting stuff that happened over this weekend. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for healthcare can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge, but it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan, double MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. 
Today we pray for Dr. Richard Stone, Principal Deputy Undersecretary for Health at the Veterans Health Administration. He oversees the delivery of health care to more than 9 million veterans in the United States. 3 John chapter 1, verse 2 reminds us of God's blessings of health. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Right now with this in mind, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask for guidance for Dr. Richard Stone as he serves our country's veterans. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. Are you looking for a university that provides a quality Christian education with excellent academic and athletic programs? Well, I want to invite you to visit Liberty University, where they offer multiple visiting opportunities to fit your schedule. Plan a visit to their Central Virginia campus and stay for an afternoon, a day, or an entire weekend. You can also take a virtual tour from the comfort of your own home. Plan your visit today by texting "Go Visit" to the number 49596. Again, that's "Go Visit" to the number 49596. If you send your kid to public university, there's a good chance he's going to return home as a flag-burning communist. That's according to a new study from North Dakota State University. They asked liberal students and conservative students about their opinions on America. 73% of conservatives say they are proud to be an American, but liberals, well, not so much. 57% of the leftist children said they're ashamed of our nation, ashamed of the land of the free. The percentages shocked even the professors who conducted the study. Past surveys showed that most Americans were proud to be American, regardless of their political affiliation. North Dakota State also found liberal students believe there should be crackdowns on free speech, and only 9%, 9% favored capitalism, only 13% opposed socialism. So here's what's going on. Socialists are using our tax dollars to fundamentally transform our nation from the home of the brave to the home of the woke. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Okay, so over the weekend, the New York Times, of course, <laughs> they always have something to say about everything. And uh, the title of the article that came out on Saturday on the 4th was A Fourth of July Symbol of Unity That May No Longer Unite. Uh, and they talk about how the flag has had several meetings, meanings over the last 250 years. Raised at Iwo, Iwo Jima, it was a symbol of victory. Lit on fire, it became a searing image of the protests against the Vietnam War. Ribboned around the Twin Towers on commemorative September 11th label pins, it is a reminder of the threats against a delicate democracy. Though politicians have long wrapped themselves in the flag, there appears to be a change looming. Today, flying the flag from the back of a pickup truck or over a lawn is increasingly seen as a clue, albeit an imperfect one, to a person's political affiliation in a deeply divided nation. Supporters of former President Donald J. Trump have embraced the flag so fervently at his rallies across conservative media and even during the January 6th assault on the Capitol that many liberals worry that the left has all but ceded the national emblem to the right. <clears throat> Excuse me. What was once a unifying symbol, there is a star on it for each state, after all, is now alienating to some. Its stripes now fault fault lines behind people who kneel while the Star Spangled Banner plays 
and those for whom not pledging allegiance is an affront. Okay, so that just gives you a taste of it. I don't disagree really with most of what they wrote. There was a discussion on CNN between the author of that article, it's Sarah Maisland Near, and uh, Michael Smirkonish. And I wanted you to just hear their discussion because it's interesting. Let's listen. The thesis is that uh, given the recent events of you know the last four years, um, the uh, incredible uh, cleaving to the flag that's happened in the right, uh, you look at a Trump rally, it's a sea of American flags from baseball hats to T-shirts to waving them um, to uh, protests uh, against uh, what the flag stands for by people like Colin Kaepernick, who took a knee uh, because he didn't feel the flag represented him, that somehow this symbol that at its heart is of unity, right? They're 50 stars on it, representing all 50 states, has become to many a symbol of division. And that's the question the New York Times sought to explore. So there's some interesting polling data. Uh, We'll put it up on the screen. It's from CBS. And it talks about going into this weekend, how likely, based on party, were you to be flying an American flag? 80% of Republicans, will you fly an American flag July 4th? Said yes. 58% of Democrats said yes. You can see, or perhaps you don't have a monitor, but over time, there has been a difference between R's and D's as to whether they fly the flag. Your reaction? Well, it's absolutely a distinction, but it also goes deeper than that. Uh, There are differences polling data shows based on your race, how likely you are to fly or feel proud of that flag. I think it's something like 80% of white Americans say they feel proud of the flag, while closer to 60-something percent of black Americans feel proud of that flag. And that speaks to how differently our life and race is lived in America, and that that symbol of this country can mean different things based on who you are, party affiliation, or personal cultural experience. All right. So, yeah, part of that is a duh. And of course, keep in mind, the New York Times is the one pushing the 1619 project. They're the ones that are, they made, we know that they decided to make race, to double down and make race the divisive issue that it is. And they have done everything they can, thrown everything at it. And uh, if they, it's amazing to me how this is how it works. The leftist press propagandize the American people, and then they rush out to poll them and see how they feel. And it's all, shock, American blacks don't, you know, don't have the same affection for the flag. I wonder why. Could it be the 1619 Project that we have been forcing on schools and uh, funding and um, propagandizing with? Anybody might think that. The, the flag has been the object of wrath by the left since since I was young, I mean, uh, Vietnam was the first time in my life I ever saw them war pres- protesters burning flags and uh, desecrating the flag, and that was that was huge. Don't listen. Uh, Americans have always loved the flag. That's not new. They act as though that's new. That's not new. Americans have saluted it. We've said our pledge to it every morning because it symbolizes. It's not that no magic in the flag, but it's a symbol. It's a symbol of our great country and the flags. The stars and the stripes all mean something. And because we love our country, we love its symbol. And so the left has been trying to get do away with it for a long time. It's not a shock. Uh, it's not like some, some sudden thing that, uh, that now it's just true that Republicans and people on the right are the ones who have, haven't changed. We haven't changed. It's the left that's changed. They're the ones that want to burn it, destroy it, uh, desecrate it. And they're, they're doing it in, uh, you know, in uh, by kneeling and kneeling, uh, not saluting the flag, kneeling and refusing uh, to stand during the anthem and all of those things. I want to hear, I want you to hear the last part of Sarah and Michael's 
uh, comments on CNN. Let's listen. You know, it's funny how some of these patriotic symbols get appropriated by one side or another. I, I happen to love Lee Greenwood's God Bless the USA. That it will cause mm. me to stop in my tracks and get goosebumps. And yet that song yep. is so affiliated with Republicans and, and not Democrats. I don't know what the, the Democratic song is to, you know, to, to match against Lee Greenwood. Well, isn't it fascinating that the American flag uh, can mean so many different things? Uh, it was burned during the Vietnam War in protest of, of that war. Um, you know, ribboned between the Twin Towers, uh, it symbolizes a moment of unity of September 11th, of us all coming together against threats against this country. Um, but then you saw it during the Capitol riots uh, used quite literally um, as a weapon. That American flag on a pole was used to beat police officers by people uh, trying to make an incursion into the Capitol. And so that flag has shifted depending on who's wielding it, both metaphorically and quite literally. Yeah, I'm glad she said that because uh, that's not true. You know, I was just telling you last week about that mar um, former Marine and former NYPD uh, policeman who's been held in uh, the D.C. prisons. He's one of the many uh, who uh, was accused of what they said he had a, a baton, a pipe. That's what they called it. And it was the base of his Marine flag. And uh, the reason that he struck, now we know because we've seen, the re some have seen the rest of the video, what led up to him to striking that policeman. He actually did not strike the, I, I need to be correct here. He did not strike the policeman with that, uh, with that flagpole. He was accused of doing that, and that's not true. The video does not show that. Uh, but that's what was reported. So they, this is a twist. This is a twist. Americans on January 6th who came with their American flags did not single out policemen to, to hit with American flag. That's just not true. Uh, the police, uh, some of them, uh, and we have again captured that in the interaction with that New York Times, New York police, former police officer, uh, was way out of line. He had, uh, the policeman was out of line. He was mocking and goading and he hit a woman twice. And so there are other parts to this story. Plus, I just, I have another uh, image that just came into my inbox this morning. Uh, this is from uh, Jim Hoft, and um, it's another image of them firing flash bombs into peaceful Trump supporters, and that included seniors, women, and children. They were standing. They were not breaching the Capitol. They were way back. They were in front of the Capitol like I have been many, many, many times in my life. Uh, they weren't doing anything, and they, they, you can see it in slow motion. We'll put it on our Facebook page. Uh, and um, and it's very harmful. Those flash bombs can be very dangerous. And my understanding is that they can cause cause blindness and they can cause deafness. You don't. There's no reason to use that against peaceful protesters. And yet that's what the police did. And that was the beginning of the anger. So I just want to sort that out for a second before I let her get away with making a statement like that. All right. So um, I have more about January 6th in just a few minutes. But I don't want to do that right now. I want to go back to Tom Cotton. Senator Tom Cotton was uh, on. Fox and Friends, I think it was, and he weighed in on the New York Times Independence Day story, and here's what he had to say. Over the weekend, you saw the New York Times running a long story about how 
The flag, for goodness sake, is now a divisive symbol for many Americans. Look, we should be proud of our heritage and our founding principles. 245 years ago this weekend, our founding fathers declared our independence, not just because of local grievances over taxes or the quartering of soldiers, but because they wanted to found a new republic dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. As Abraham Lincoln said at the Gettysburg address. Now, we haven't always achieved that in practice, but our history has been one mm. of continually struggling to realize those ideals. That's exactly what Dr. Martin Luther King said in his I Have a Dream speech, in which he explicitly and repeatedly invoked the Declaration and said that we are the, our work is the full realization of America's founding principles. We should teach our children, whether it's in the schools or in our movies and television, or yes, our comic books, to be proud of and celebrate America's tradition. Yep. Yes, we should. <laughs> and so, uh, so we're doing that. And uh, we'll just, uh, you know, and may the best man win, I guess, because we are going to continue to translate that that hope of our country, love of it for the right reasons, uh, our fight for freedom for everyone, uh, and uh, the right kind of freedom, not not licentiousness, not the freedom to just do whatever you want to do because you want to do it, but freedom to make your own decisions, to choose how you want to live your life to worship God or not to worship him, uh, to uh, speak up uh, and complain what you should see. I, someone sent me um, uh, more video of a—this uh, was in New Jersey, I think. Could have been Pennsylvania. And it was a school board meeting, and it was unbelievable. They had three people testifying. Maybe we'll pull this out and play it uh, later this week. Uh, three people who, who were— featured on this video, who tried to speak to the school board about critical race theory and a few other issues. And someone uh, was running the meeting who was not even, well, I don't know if he was a school board member or what, but he had his mic was louder than theirs. And they would start to just say something, and he'd say, you're it, that's it, you're done, you're done, you're done, Mr. Smith, you're done, you're done, this is over, you're done. It was unbelievable, and the, the men who spoke were just drowned out, and then they gradually, one by one, got up. That one of them said, "You know, I'm going to sue you. I'm going to sue you. You cannot do this." Uh, but it's uh, it's amazing uh, how free speech has been is being is under assault, and that's what we're going to be fighting for. All right. So I wanted to play. Let's see if we still have time to do this. Yeah. All right. There were a group of veterans who uh, were on Fox just over the weekend, and I wanted you to hear. Uh, they were, we'll go a little bit long on this if we have to, Adam. Um, Sergeant Julie Sanchez, a U.S. Marine Corps. Corporal Jacob Sheik, a U.S. Marine Corps. Major Jeff McDonald, U.S. Marine Corps. And Colonel Frank Oakley, U.S. Army. One of them was black. One was, uh, I don't know what they are. One was Hispanic, because I have to know, you know. It's important, you know. They can't, we can't all be Americans. We have to be separated by colors. But I wanted you to hear what they had to say. When they were asked the question, what does this country mean to you? Let's listen. Clip two. I am proud of being American. Why? Because America's given me everything. Like, it's like I, I'm living the American dream. I own my own home. I'm raising my kids on my own. I have a good job. Like, I'm the American dream. Why are you proud to be an American? Because I didn't give myself what I've got. 
This was paid for me a long time ago. That's why. Because what I did was just a very, very small, minute part to make the will of freedom turn. There was a lot of men and women, far greater than I'll ever be, that paid for me to be able to do what I do. I'll never be able to repay this country what it's given me. And those people did not hesitate when they gave. If they gave all or whatever, they didn't hesitate. There was never a hesitation. They love this country, bam, let's do it. Colonel, you think we still have quite a bit of Americans that feel that way? I believe so. Uh, for me, this is, in fact, over my lifetime, the land of opportunity because I've seen other places and you're not born into a caste in this country. You're born into an opportunity. And for the most part, if you don't even be conscious of it, but if you work hard and do the things that uh, you should be doing, and that is not joining the crowd, be able to focus on what is right and versus what is wrong, the opportunities are here for you in this country. I feel that this is the best place on the planet with all of its warts. You think there's something American about being resilient? Oh, yes, definitely. If there's anything we can hang our hat on, it's that. You got that right. Is it, I mean, majority of, of us at some point or another got here on a boat, and uh, yeah, we are the, not a, the melting pot of the world. That's why we're so resilient. You know, I remember showing up to my first unit and first Sergeant Green, not long after that to become Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps Green, walking in the gymnasium and go, look around you, this is your family now. Mm -hmm. You don't all look alike, but you all bleed the same. We're a resilient nation because of the, the men and women that had the courage to fight, bleed, and die for us. To be able to do the things we do and to be able to take the freedoms that we all take for granted every single day, myself included. That's why we're resilient, is because we're resilient because of grit and tenacity. Because we have to be. All right. Wasn't that beautiful? I, I, and we're resilient, <laughs> the part they left out. We're resilient because uh, we, are, we were founded on the belief that there is a God. And there's one God. It's the Judeo-Christian God. Our founding fathers believed that. And because of that, we never thought it was us. We knew it was him. Uh, and the nation was founded, the Constitution written with, uh, you know, even the, the three branches of government based on the, the, uh, the concept of the Trinity. Uh, and, you know, justice based on uh, pr biblical principles about and two witnesses, needing two witnesses to uh, condemn someone. And on and on it goes. And uh, the reason we're resilient is because we have a great God who's resilient. That's the reason. And so now we pray for that resilience through the help of the God that we serve uh, to, to serve us well as we look to save this country in this moment in 2021. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. If you want a building done right, you hire builders. Unless you've done it before, you probably shouldn't try to build it on your own. Jordan Shambly says we should be relieved that when it comes to the church, Jesus is the builder. We're the stones. Our job is to obey the master builder. Jordan shares what all that means in his article, The Builder of the Church. You can read it and let it encourage you at EngageMagazine.net. EngageMagazine.net. 
on the next Today's Issues. We appreciate hearing from you. You can send us an email at comments at AFR.net. I pastor a small church, so I have to have a full-time job on the side. Uh, when I try to feed the flock, y'all feed me, and I thank God for y'all. If you want to uh, watch the show live, you can go to Facebook or YouTube. Just type in Today's Issues, and you can also access the stories that we talk about. Don't miss the next Today's Issues, weekday mornings at 11 Eastern, 10 Central, on American Family Radio. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. In a departure from basic biology and accurate identification, the U.S. State Department is promoting the freedom, dignity, and equality of all people by allowing passport applicants to choose the sex that suits them. Secretary of State Antony Blinken announced the department is updating its procedures for issuing passports and consular reports of birth abroad to ensure the fair treatment of LGBTQI plus U.S. citizens, regardless of their gender or sex. No matter how popular a lie becomes, it's still a lie. Truth is not subject to popular vote. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Here's Dan Celia with today's Stewardship Moment. In Leviticus 27, 9 and 10, God taught the Israelites that when you make a vow to him, you can't go back on it. And your promises must be kept. God takes your vow very seriously. If you have made a vow to give 10% of your income and suddenly something has come up that makes it very difficult, or maybe you realize that all of a sudden your faithful stewardship has become a little bit more costly than you thought. Listen, God expects that you will keep your promises, even if it's difficult to do so. You've just heard a stewardship moment with Dan Celia of Financial Issues Ministry, helping you plan, give, and invest wisely. For more information, log on to financialissues.org. That's financialissues.org. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Last week, Chinese dictator Xi Jinping marked the 100th anniversary of the founding of the transnational criminal organization doing business as the Chinese Communist Party with a speech notable for its overtly menacing content. Xi's nationalist diatribe threatened Taiwan and warned the rest of the world of dire consequences if they challenged his country's, quote, steel great wall, unquote. What was particularly troubling about this ominous celebration of one of history's most infamous events? After all, some 500 million Chinese men, women, children, and unborn infants have perished at the CCP's hands over the past century was the response of the Western press. Most reports failed to convey the dangerous implications of Xi's content and tone. Many were actually laudatory. Americans are dangerously ill-served by the illusion that Xi and his party are other than mortal enemies of our country and freedoms. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. All right, so your president, Joe Biden, was out having ice cream over the weekend, uh, and uh, he was asked, uh, you know, a very, very difficult question, and in the process of trying to answer it, he was trying to get his ice cream, and he's 
pulling out cue cards from his pocket in order to answer. And you just you should hear it uh, because you should know. Uh, you should know the ridiculousness of the situation we find ourselves in. Let's listen. Clip eight, President Joe Biden. President, let me know if I can ask you a question. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> right now, sir? Yeah. Uh, with the most recent hack by the Russians, would you say that this this means We're that... We're not sure it's the Russians. Okay. With I, spot most... okay. I got a brief on the, as I was on the plane. That's why I was late getting off the plane. I got a brief and... Uh, Would you like your receipt? Uh, I'll be in better shape to talk to you about it. I'll tell you what they sent me. Okay. Uh, that uh, the idea. First of all, we're not sure who it is for certain. Number one. And what I did, I directed the full resources of the, of the government to assist in a response if we determine. What else you need? Oh, nothing. You're all set. Okay. And um, uh, the fact is that uh, I directed the intelligence community to give me a, a deep dive on what's happened, and I'll know better uh, tomorrow. And if it is, uh, either with the knowledge of and or consequence of Russia then that told Putin we will respond. And uh, you didn't but, tell him already, sir? No, no, I haven't called oh. because we're not we're not certain. The initial thinking was it was not the Russian government. Um, but we're not sure yet. So Yes, and so he's reaching in his pocket. This is what they gave me. He's pulling out his cue cards. Uh, it's just, it's amazing. And so who is they? Well, we're, you know, we have an idea who's pushing things. It's all certainly Obama, former Obama staffers. That doesn't mean Obama, actually, now let me have to tell you that I don't think this means that Obama is pulling the strings right now. I think Obama had his strings pulled, but he was more clued in. He was more of an all-in leftist Marxist, and uh, he did his part, and he was a very effective player. Uh, but there were people pulling the strings behind. I'm not sure we've figured out exactly who we, we suspect certain people. Uh, but uh, Jen Psaki, I'll just give you an example. Now, Jen Psaki was introducing a very special conference out of Joe Biden's White House. If you think this is all fun and games and it doesn't mean anything worthy of a laugh, uh, and if you are still glad President Trump's tweets are gone because they were so mean and angry, then you consider who it is that you put in the White House and what they're doing. This is Jen Psaki. Let's listen. Welcome to the White House virtual convening on transgender equality. I'm White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, and I use the pronouns she, her, and hers. I'm excited to welcome you to this important and historic national conversation about equality, freedom, and opportunity for transgender, gender nonconforming, and non-binary Americans. As President Biden said long before he became president, transgender rights are one of the most important civil rights movements of our lifetime. And as I was proud to affirm earlier this year from the White House briefing room podium, transgender rights are human rights. On his very first day in office, President Biden charged the whole of the federal government with preventing and combating discrimination against transgender Americans. 
Agencies across the government are working to ensure that transgender Americans have equal protection under law and the freedom to live authentic, healthy, and safe lives. But we know there's so much more work to do to secure full equality for every trans person in our country. Because transgender people, especially trans women of color, continue to face epidemic levels of violence, poverty, and discrimination. Today we'll hear from transgender youth, activists, athletes, and leaders around the country on their work to build a fair and more inclusive America. We'll learn about their triumphs and their hopes and about the enduring forms of discrimination that too many trans people still face in our country. Let's take a look. Okay, so why are we not take a look? Uh, remember that it was just last week I talked to you about this transgender, or let's just say guy who said he was a girl uh, in a spa in California uh, in with the women displaying his full genitalia and how shocked and upset the women were, not understanding that this is like the, the, the barn door was left open a long time ago. This is, the, this is gone. I mean, we, in California, for heaven's sake, there's been no protection for, for straight women for a long time. Disney's doing their part too. It's amazing how hard they have pushed uh, to, uh, to mainstream this, uh, this really mental illness uh, and to traumatize women and girls all over the place with re restrooms, dressing rooms. Target, Target, the number one uh, object of uh, American Family Radio's uh, boycott, has allowed, of course, men to go into women's dressing rooms. And there have been a, some, such a series of abuse of young girls Photos being taken, uh, their privacy rights being abridged. <laughs> what woman, what man wants to go into a bathroom with, with women? And yet that's what they're forcing on us. And the Biden White House is all in. Uh, remember, transgender rights, that's one of the most important rights uh, of our time, says Joe Biden, according to Jen Psaki. And I also want to point out that when they say trans women of color have been the ones who've suffered the most, that is exactly what Black Lives Matter has in their manifesto. They were founded by black trans women, and that is a number one priority for them. And I believe that you could easily say what we have said for a long time, that deals were made to get Black Lives Matter to help uh, President Joe Biden win his election. And so now it's payback time, because we all know that there are like uh, millions of Americans who are transgender black females, right? We just know that. Uh, they are constituency worthy of this kind of attention. But if that is not enough, then we have Susan Rice, the old uh, uh, associate of President Barack Obama, the one that lied about the Benghazi tapes, uh, Benghazi lying and saying that uh, there was no uh, terrorist attack, that it was it all just started spontaneously over a video. Remember how she lied about that? Oh, that's just one of the many things that she did. But she's back. Well, she's back, back in the White House, you know, wielding her power once again, and this is how she's wielding it. Let's listen to Susan Rice. Hi, everybody, and happy Pride Month, and welcome to the virtual White House. I'm Ambassador Susan Rice, and I use the pronouns she, her, and hers, and I have the great privilege of being President Biden's domestic policy advisor. I'm super excited to be joined today by four phenomenal young people who are transgender activists from around the country. Today, we're going to hear their stories. As President Biden has said, transgender youth are brave and they're strong. Every young person deserves to be able to live freely as their authentic self and to be met with unconditional love and support. 
This is a time of both great hope and possibility in the transgender civil rights movement with more and more young people able to come out as transgender, gender non-conforming or non-binary and be loved and supported just as they are. But it's also a challenging and worrying time. In the past few months, we have seen an unacceptable, horrific increase in legislation in states across the country that target transgender young people just for being themselves. But like generations of transgender activists who fought to make our country a more fair and inclusive society, the young people with us today are leading a movement for full equality. Yes, and of course that full equality, Susan Rice is talking about, sounds good, doesn't that? Those are lofty words if you are not in the weeds with this. But if you're in the weeds with this, you know that they're talking about Children changing their genders, teachers advising them that if they feel like they're a boy, well, let's give you a boy's name. Let's call you John, even if you are Mary. And we won't tell your parents, uh, but all of you in the classroom must now call this person John, and John can now go to the boy's bathroom because John feels like, you know, doesn't feel like Mary anymore. And then, of course, teachers advise, they bring in counselors to advise these kids to stop, start hormone blockers. And a lot of times this is not done with the consent of the parents either. And then, of course, it leads to actually removing healthy sexual organs. This is just, um, this is this is worse than the Nazi experiments. I don't even, I never heard of the Nazis even doing this. I mean, it is really Mengele. It is uh, like the new iteration of Mengele. And uh, this White House supports this, completely supports this. And this is, uh, this is why the fumbling Joe Biden, there's just nothing funny about it. There's nothing funny about it because it's wreaking havoc on our nation. And that reminds me of another story that I read over the weekend. Uh, and this has to do with COVID. Uh, and it is the fact that under Joe Biden and his horrible uh, Pentagon leadership that he has appointed, they are now going to force, according to, let, let me read this, uh, Let's see. Published by the Army Times over the weekend, uh, a detailed executive order sent by the Department of Army headquarters that commands should be prepared to administer COVID-19 vaccines starting as September, early as September the 1st. The date is contingent on when the Food and Drug Administration issues its full approval of the vaccines. Uh, Commanders will continue COVID-19 vaccination operations and prepare for a directive to mandate COVID-19 vaccination for service members on or around September 2021. Commands will be prepared to provide a back brief on service member vaccination status and way ahead for the completion once the vaccine is mandated. That's what it says. It comes from by the president and the secretary of defense. So um, this is the upshot of that. Thomas Massey, congressman from Kentucky, said he was informed by some members of the U.S. military that they would quit if the armed forces mandates a COVID-19 vaccine, coming after report after a report claimed the army headquarters told commanders to prepare for a mandatory. I can't. Sorry, having trouble this morning. Mandatory vaccine vaccinations in September, and um, I just read to you what that has been leaked. Uh, the the actual wording of that. So, um, but I want to mo- take this further because, I, of course, I thought about all the, the reporting I've been doing to you about how with you about how young men are developing heart disease from these vaccinations in inordinate numbers. And so, um, as a matter of fact, this has really manifested itself in the military. 
Um, Thomas Massey said on July the 5th that his Twitter post was targeted by science illiterate, military hating, angry blue checkmark users on Twitter. Uh, there are no health outcomes. Ba- there are no health outcomes based studies that show any benefit from the vaccine for those who have already had COVID. He wrote. The congressman also pointed out to a Department of Defense study published in late June that found a higher number of military members who got the vaccine experienced higher-than-expected rates of heart inflammation. U.S. Army, Navy, and Air Force physicians found 23 cases of myocarditis, a type of heart inflammation, in previously healthy men. They developed the condition within four days of getting the vaccine, a study published in JAMA Cardiology found. The study comes weeks after the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention panel found a higher rate of heart inflammation after mRNA vaccines were administered. However, the agency and other health officials have said the benefit of getting the vaccine outweighs the risk. That's what they always say. I saw, if you did not see this, Tucker Carlson featured a woman um, just last week who was all in for the vaccines, and so much so that she signed her daughter up to be uh, enter this t- test study about the effect of vaccines on kids. I think she was 16. And now the girl is completely impaired. She cannot walk. She can't hold her head up. Uh, she can't uh, urinate. She can't defecate. Everything has to be done artificially. And she just talked about how it has, you know, they don't, and it's only getting worse. And when she tries to go back to the vaccine company, of course, they won't even return her calls. And when she tries to go to uh, FDA or the CDC, they, they don't offer anything either. They deny it. It's, they just deny it or they remain silent. Uh, so um, I, what can I say? What can I say more about this? Uh, I am very concerned, and we, we just have to stand with those that are fighting, like Thomas Massey. By the way, that article that was in the Epoch Times, military members say they'll quit if Army mandates COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, we'll put that on our Facebook page so that you can read and share it. Uh, and if you need to look for it directly, it's the Epoch Times, because as I said, uh, Facebook is censoring us pretty heavily right now. <laughs> I know that's a shock, but it's happening. All right, well, listen, it's great to be back, and I hope to be in fuller form tomorrow. And uh, I hope that you enjoyed the program and heard and listened and learned something that was good. In Jesus' name, I ask for that help every day. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.